0: Today on The Church Next Podcast, learn from the Reverend Lori Brock how to experience anger with God as transformative rather than frightening or sinful. Hi everyone, welcome to The Church Next Podcast. My name is Elizabeth Bregnack and I'll be your host today. So let's start with a personal question. Do you ever get mad at God? We are taught to love and revere God. We are not comfortable with experiencing anger, particularly anger toward God. People can feel shame, sorrow, and alienation in relation to that kind of anger. In today's podcast, Episcopal priest and author Lori Brock argues that anger in and of itself isn't good or bad, it's just a thing. It's a natural part of any relationship if you've managed to be married or friends with anyone or maintain a relationship for long enough you're going to become angry it's just part of a relationship it's not a bad thing laurie argues that anger with god is a necessary part of our faith experience she offers insights into what anger is exactly why we get angry with god and how we can cope with our anger in ways that allow it to become productive or transformative rather than negative or an experience that divides us from God. Our podcasts are curated from our online learning library at churchnext.tv. You can learn more about us there. If you'd like to support us, please consider a $9 monthly subscription. That'll give you access to all of our individual online classes. There's maybe 400 of them now, so there's a lot of wisdom there for you. Your generosity helps us produce digital experiences that help shape disciples. So in today's podcast, Lori Brock examines anger as an emotion that is a natural part of the human experience. She argues that anger is not negative. It's not blameworthy. It's put in the seven deadly sins. And we have this idea that anger is in and of itself a bad thing something that we should resist just because it's there and it's bad and we shouldn't have it, shouldn't experience it. Laurie points out that it can be a gift from God. It's placed in our souls to be a part of growth rather than a negative thing. Anger is a holy part of what it means to be a person of faith, she argues. So the focus in this episode is not to deny anger. It's not about keeping anger at bay or resisting anger or getting away from anger, but rather the transformative opportunity that presents itself with anger. Lori compares anger to fire, which burns, clears, and leaves way for new growth. Malcolm X once said, quote, Usually when people are sad, they don't do anything. They cry over their condition, but when they get angry, they bring about change. Laurie argues that anger offers transformative energy. It can get us up and moving to a new and better place if we don't resist it. And if we don't let it turn us from God or let our response to anger turn us from God, we can experience anger and then react to it. And our reaction can help us make it into a transformative experience rather than a negative one. In her first talk, Laurie examines the concept of anger, what it is and what is its place in our lives. People's response to anger is sometimes unhealthy, she argues, but anger itself is a natural part of the human condition. She teaches that anger is not good or bad, and she emphasizes that the use, management, and expression of anger is what's critical about how we approach it.
1: Many of us in our lives have experienced anger as a bad thing. We hear, don't get angry, nice girls don't get angry, you shouldn't be angry, and um, probably not helped by the fact that our forefathers in the church described anger as one of the seven deadly sins. One of the things that we now understand about anger is like joy and happiness and sadness, that it is a feeling. And feelings, as any therapist will tell you, are neither good nor bad, they simply are. They are part of our souls and selves. Anger, we know, is an emotion that comes in our lives when we have experienced something fearful, something hurtful, when we perceive ourselves threatened, when we've experienced a loss, and when we feel victimized. Those are just some of the reasons we might feel anger. And one of the things that I would invite us to do as Christians is not to label the emotion of anger as good or bad, to recognize it as an emotion, to recognize it as an experience of our very souls and to recognize it as something that God has given us as being part of the human experience. When we become angry, when we have that expression of anger, what can be sinful is what we do with that feeling. Um, When we experience anger, Do we sit with the feeling? Do we become reflective about it? Or do we lash out at our partners, at our children, at our spouses, at our co-workers? And that lashing out, that behavior component of the anger, is certainly what can be sinful, but not always. And when we look at anger as an emotion of God, it invites us, I think, to see anger as a very visceral and powerful emotion. Carl Jung talked about anger as an emotion of fire, as an emotion of that great flame. Um, It is the same image we use in the church of the Holy Spirit, that the disciples were gathered and the Holy Spirit of fire came upon them. And fire, we know, is a tremendously dangerous um, element in our world, but it is also the element of refining. It is the element that can clean a landscape and allow for new growth. And it is an element in many ways like anger that cannot be fully controlled. Um, Maybe the best we ever do with our anger is we manage it, um, and we allow it to burn for the length of time it needs to burn, and then in that moment that we accept it we can see anger do its beauty and its job in its holy job of transforming of creating a space for new growth for new understanding even a space where it maybe just cleans the wound Uh, many people become very angry after a loved one has died, Um, and I don't suggest that anger makes that grief go away, but it might do some really wonderful jobs in our souls of clearing that wound so that it's no longer extremely painful and prevents us from going on in our lives. Um, One of the things that we know about anger is that it often overlays the emotion of fear Um, We don't like to be scared as grown-ups. We think that's an emotion that we leave behind as children. So frequently I experience people who feel anger, who underneath that anger are are scared, are simply frightened. Um, And so anger may give us a way to enter back into that small part of our souls that feels very fearful and insecure. We know that anger in Elizabeth Schussler Fiorenza's Stages of Grief is that second stage of grief, that that stage where we're so angry at at the person perhaps who died and God for letting that person die. My experience in grief is that at that moment when we are overwhelmed by grief, that anger is the thing that will get us out of bed, that will get us to step back into life. And we may not be happy about it. We usually aren't. We are usually very resentful in that feeling, but anger is that fire that moves us into the world and can allow us in many ways to step forward into that new life that exists without this person in our lives, the way that we have known them. Um, anger, I think, at its, at its holiest understanding is an emotion of transformation. Um, it is the emotion that is not permanent. Anger is not a place where we should stay. It is an emotion that pushes us forward. Um, Usually we don't want to go there. Uh, Richard Rohr speaks of transformation and our emotions and our wounds as those things that we either transform them or we transmit them. And like anything else our anger or that emotion of anger is either something that we allow to transform or We transmit it to people and that is where we step in to the problematic parts of anger. That is where we step into the sin and the pain that anger can have in our lives. But for this part, for this conversation, I would like us to understand anger not as a negative and bad emotion but as a gift from God that has been placed in our souls to be a useful part of our spiritual growth and a holy part of what it means to be a person of faith.
0: It's not healthy to deny feelings of anger toward God any more than it is to deny feelings of anger with a friend or with family. In her next talk, Lori emphasizes that even when angry, we must stay in relationship with God, leaving ourselves open for God to help us understand the sources of our anger, how to express and manage our anger. While anger with God is natural and even healthy sometimes, turning away from God in response to anger is not.
1: we get angry at God for the same reasons that we get angry with people in our lives. We'd be angry with God because we have experienced a loss. We've been disappointed. We have expectations about a situation and those expectations have not been met. Uh, We may feel trapped in our lives. We may feel betrayed. Um, Anger is often a signal that something is off track, that something is, is not where it needs to be. And it frequently is a reminder that shows up in our lives that life is beyond our control. Um, I get angry at God whenever I see profound unfairness, Uh, when I see a family that has dealt with blow after blow of emotional situations be handed one more situation. And I'm angry with God. I am angry at God when I look at situations across the globe and I just feel very powerless and I think, why aren't you doing anything? Um, I think we're angry at God when we find ourselves wounded and in extreme pain and we just really want to blame somebody for that pain because we are not in a place to be able to explore our own um, complicity in those situations. I think we become angry with God when we're stuck in our lives, when we're at a place in our lives, when we have had ideas about where we should be or what should be happening and that's not happening and we have no idea how to get out of that situation. Um, And I think anger is certainly an emotion of victimization. When we feel victimized, when we feel like the rules have been broken, we become angry at God. And sometimes I wonder if the anger at God isn't an easier focus than anger at ourselves. Uh, most, um, most mental health professionals talk about depression as anger turns inward. And, and I've often wondered spiritually as a priest if it is an attempt for us not to become consumed by our anger that we become angry at God. Uh, we believe in the church that God is all-powerful, that God is the creator of heaven and earth and knows the hairs on our heads. And yet we see children die every day simply because they don't have enough to eat. We see people who are abused because of the power structures. Um, We hear that our child has cancer or that a too young father has a brain tumor. And who else do we get angry at? Somebody has to be to blame for this. Somebody has to be responsible. And God is a pretty darn good person for that all to sit at. Um, And we look at God and we rage and we feel anger and we feel overwhelmed. And we are in wonderful, wonderful company um, with that anger. One of the experiences um, I've had and many clergy have had about people who are angry at God is that you can be angry at a friend, you can be angry at a family member, and you are you are still in relationship with that person. And yet some people are so angry at God that that, that relationship is ended. They they can't go on and be part of the church, they don't want to be part of the faith community. I wonder sometimes if part of that is the same reaction we have when we're angry at somebody and they don't respond. they don't buy into our anger. they simply sit and and in many ways sort of just absorb our anger they They become that place where we place our anger and we and we expect it back. Uh, when I get angry at my friends and I pick a fight because I have been known to do that, and I suspect most humans have we know that there's a way to kind of release that valve and yet when we pick a fight with God God doesn't respond to us in the way frequently we want to. Um, It is that moment where Jesus is having the conversation with Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate is in many ways trying to pick a fight and Jesus just simply remains silent in the face of that. He just absorbs the anger and the rage of the crowd and of the authorities in that moment um, and says do your best. And I wonder if part of it is that if we can cut off relationship with God, in what ways does that allow us to cut off relationship with that part of ourselves that would be transformed by that anger? Um, In what ways does that allow us to say, you know what, I am angry at God because my spouse is an alcoholic and that is not what I signed up in this marriage to be. And I'm just going to, and God caused all this to happen and I'm done. What perhaps happens if we recognize that in that anger, we have to start recognizing some of the anger that we have at ourselves, that God is in many ways um, part of who we are. We are made in the image of God. We are, as the Episcopal Church says, we seek and serve Christ in all people. So Christ is not this other. God is not this other. God is part of who we are. And I wonder if our anger at God in many ways and that cutoff of relationship is an anger at a part of ourselves that we really don't want to explore, that we want to push away and block away. And the danger in that is that that never quite goes away. We We can not go to church anymore, we can say we don't believe in God, but that part of our souls with which we are still angry still sits in us. And my experience is that God will keep coming back and God will keep offering that opportunity to be in relationship. Be in relationship with that part of yourself that needs to be healed and that needs to be refined and transformed by that anger.
0: The idea that anger is bad has long standing in the Christian tradition. We've all been taught. That anger is a sin and an act against God. In the Middle Ages, anger was added to the list of seven deadly sins, which caused people to repress it in the name of piety. But we cannot remain people who think everything is nice, who force ourselves into, no, it's all good, it's all nice. Niceness can become a deadly form of anger. Lori discusses next how anger is not only not a sin. It's an important part in our faith development, and repressing it can become quite unhealthy.
1: In the medieval church, when they came out with a nifty list of seven deadly sins, and I really wish there were only seven deadly sins, most of us um, far expand that list, when they put anger on there, one of the things that I think it did such a travesty about is it Took anger from perhaps this wonderful place of spiritual growth and made it a bad thing, and so nobody wanted to admit they were angry at God. Everybody got to walk around and be very pious and oh, oh, I never get angry at God. You know, my world is falling apart personally, but I just love Jesus and I'm never upset at God. And I think anger at God is okay and more than okay. I think anger at God is a necessary part of our faith development. Uh, we cannot remain. Those people who always say everything is nice. Um, I'm from the South, if you can't tell from my accent, and one of the great things we love to say in the South is, oh, that's so nice, or oh, he's so nice. Nice in the South is not a compliment. It's a deadly form of, um, of being angry. Um, it is a very passive form of that. And that is not a good place to be. It's actually, I think, quite a lie to say that we're not angry at God. What if instead we accepted that anger is a part of our faith development, that when we are angry, it is part of the process that we move through to become transformed. Um, If we imagine that anger is this, this image of fire that anger is in sort of modern terms this rocket fuel of an emotion it can lift us out of where we are and move us into a new place it helps us get unstuck um, is a great phrase that I love that we get stuck in our lives Um, anger frequently is um, I think the canary in the coal mine when we become angry at something we might be aware that something's wrong that we're in an unsafe situation or that our souls are very, very wounded. And if we continue to go through life with our souls in that wounded place, we are in danger of hurting ourselves even more and even more so hurting other people. Um, Part of our job with accepting anger at God is to recognize, first of all, that anger is this tremendously powerful emotion that we need to express to God, that we need to be angry at God for us to be able to manage it. Um, Much like fire, anger is not really contained. It can be managed and it can be transformed and it can be both of those things with God's help. But we have to admit it. Um, One of the great, great uh, pieces of wisdom, and there are many, many pieces of wisdom in the 12-step programs, is to admit we are powerless over our addiction. And I think so many people in our culture are addicted to anger and we don't name it. We are, we carry around uh, great amounts of anger from our childhood, from, from our young adulthood, uh, through all sorts of things, and we've never named it out loud. And, and that moment of, of naming anger out loud, of yelling at God and of, of being angry and admitting that anger is sort of that great moment of incarnation. In the Gospel of John, we hear, you know, in the beginning was the word. There is something powerful, powerful about naming our anger out loud, being angry at God. One of the great, great moments of naming that anger at God is that it hopefully will ease or prevent us from directing that anger at other people to whom it may not be directed. Um, if we are angry at God and perhaps even angry at ourselves, it may help us avoid taking that anger out on our families, on our friends, on our coworkers. Uh, And one of the things to remember is I wonder if one of the reasons that we don't express our anger at God is rooted in shame, that we've sort of been taught anger is a bad thing. We shouldn't do it. But I also wonder if we think God will react to anger the way we have. Um, Most of the people that I talk to have had experiences in their lives when they have had anger directed at them. Um, Frequently, these are childhood emotions. And it is a very, very scary place to feel helpless and to feel wounded by somebody else's anger. And I wonder if deep in our souls, we don't carry that. that I, You know, I don't want God to feel that. God who created the heavens and the earth opens her hands and welcomes our anger. Um, God can handle our anger. He knows exactly what to do with it. And she knows exactly how to transform it. And my experience also is that You know, we profess a God who knows our deepest thoughts, who created us, and who knows all. So to sit on our anger silently as if God doesn't understand it or already know that we're anger is sort of... of a delusion because i think god already knows it anyway so why not go ahead and say it you know it's sort of like the white elephant in the room um we've all probably had that one friend who loves to wear clothes just a little too tight and nobody's gonna say anything like oh we don't want to embarrass but we already know it so you know to just say it out loud to god i just think there's that moment where the almighty goes now thank you thank you for giving me the deepest darkest part of your soul um Back to that image of relationship, God loves our good stuff, and God loves it when we're all pretty and we're sitting in church and our hair's combed and the lipstick's on. But God also loves us when we are crashed on the floor, covered in tears and dirt, and we don't even want to hear our own names called. God loves that part of us too. And until we are willing to give God that part of us, until we are willing to trust God with the broken parts of our souls, with the angry parts of our souls, we will essentially be stuck in a very adolescent faith development.
0: We experience anger differently depending on where we are in our faith journey and how we feel about anger in general. Some people feel anger as a positive thing. Some people feel very uncomfortable with anger. Some people are experienced enough with faith to be able to bring anger to God. Some people are more new to it, and they don't have an experienced God replacing anger with something transformative. However we experience anger, Laurie argues that trust in God is the way to cope with it. We may struggle, we may grieve, we may rail, but if we bring our anger and confusion to God and share it with God and release it to God, we can trust God to help us manage it and deal with it in productive ways.
1: the great dangers of anger is that we become stuck in it um, that we, we involve ourselves in that spiral of anger, um, much like that wildfire if you ever uh, images of the wildfire they just sort of feed on themselves and the more flames that gather, the more oxygen it consumes. Um, and I suspect if we all think about it, we can either name that friend or we have been that friend that is angry about something that is angry about, a disappointing relationship, uh, being uh, betrayed at work, whatever goes on, and all they ever talk about is that situation. And you suddenly become like, oh, I don't know that I want to take that phone call anymore. When you hit that point, you have become, you are in that spiral of anger. It, bec- it feeds on itself, and that is the point where we have drifted into what the church would call sinful responses of anger. The sad news is we're all going to be there. So you don't get to listen to this and go, oh, well, that will never happen to me. It happens to all of us. Um, anger again, that it feels powerful and it is feels good to feel powerful when you have felt so betrayed and so lost. But once we're there, once we've kind of gotten that, we realize, yeah, I am angry. Um, and what do I do about it? One of the things is to say it out loud. Give give your feelings voice. Uh, Give your feelings voice through prayer. I think a wonderful way to give your feelings voice is is to talk with someone. Talk with a priest. Talk with a clergy person. um, Talk with a good trusted friend. I'm a big fan of talking to therapists. Most of them um, have some really great ideas and can sit in that place. But talk about it until you get to the point where it's just the words don't catch it anymore. Um, And that may be a week, it may be a month, it may be a year, but when you speak of that anger, um, I think another thing is to give your anger embodiment. Uh, One of the great, great moments of our faith is that we are we are a people of an embodied God. Um, Jesus was flesh and blood. And when I talk about giving your anger embodiment, I say sweat it out, Uh, go for a run, Uh, be physically active in something. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong as long as you do it in a safe, good place of going to buy some cheap plates from the dollar store and getting in a contained area and smashing them to Kingdom Come. But let your anger express itself in that very physical way. I don't know that there's a lot of good that comes from, I'm just going to sit and meditate my anger away when it's that visceral and that powerful. Um, I think the key in that is just allow your anger to be for a time. Allow it to do the burn that it needs to do. Um, And then my experience is there will be that moment when we have the choice. We have the choice to involve ourselves in the spiral of anger or we have the choice to say, now I need to move somewhere else with it. Um, And the great part is that because God never gives up on us, even if we do choose door number one and decide to spiral around in our anger for a while, we can still find a way to say, okay, now, now what? Now that I'm angry, now that I have just let that anger invade every cell of my body and every part of my soul, what do I do? And I think that is when that moment comes when we offer that anger to God and we, you know, as Jonah does so well, we just let God have it and we just give it all to God. Just that image of saying, here it is. I'm angry. I don't know what to do with it. It's all yours, God. And in that moment, again, that transformative moment of fire, what can happen is that God may invite us to find that source of that anger. You know, what sits under that anger? Is it fear? Are we angry that we have been reduced to that fearful five-year-old that none of us wants to remember or that awkward 13-year-old in high school again? Um, Is what sits under that anger a need to blame others for some decisions that we have made in our lives? A need to point at the other and say, this would not have happened to me if you had not acted this way while we refuse to say, and how was I complicit in this relationship, in this tragedy? Um, Is our anger, is our anger at God a place where we can have an answer to an unanswerable question? Um, There isn't an answer to a question as to why a five-year-old dies in a car wreck. There isn't an answer to a question as to why um, young families may be tragically killed. There's no answer to that. And anger frequently can be the short, um, multiple choice answer. When sitting with the not answers is a very uncomfortable act of faith. Um, Doesn't feel good, never will feel good. And uh, one of my sayings is those great unanswerable questions I just put on my list. So the day that I stand before the great seat of God, I will just roll out my follow facts and go, now I have a few questions. Um, But But anger frequently is that place where we have to go back to that and say, you know, you're God and I'm not. And to say that I'm not God means that I don't have all the answers. I can't get the answers to the hard questions and I may never understand the situation. There's a wonderful rabbinic tradition that... When you are wronged, when you have some event in your life that causes you to feel angry, that you give yourself permission to be angry for three days, because we love the number three in the church, but you give yourself permission to be angry for three days. And in that is that key. You give yourself permission. You feel the anger. And my experience is that after three days, when I've given myself permission, I usually don't feel that anger anymore. It has been, in many ways, resurrected into something else. If after three days, it is still there, you are still feeling the anger, you're still feeling the burn and the rage, that is a time to be angry at God and then to begin that process of forgiving God.
0: When we are able to surrender our anger to God, God can use it to God's purposes. If we don't experience anger, we might find ourselves not spiritually awake. If we brood on anger rather than releasing it to God, it can divide us from God. But if we bring our anger to God and allow God to deal with it, it can transform us. It can build us up and build up our world rather than diminishing us.
1: The easy question to ask here is, well, how, how do we transform our anger to God? Because don't we want that list? Like, I'm a big fan of lists and those how-to books. The hard part of transformation is that what that looks like for me or for you or for your spouse or for your child or your neighbor can look very different. Um, one of the great dangers we get into as humans is sort of comparing our faith journeys to one another. Um, and, and in that comparison, feeling a little less than or feeling a little superior. But the great part of transformation is recognizing that your present is not your future. Where you are is not where you want to be. Um, and that is the fundamental step in transformation. Uh, whatever anger that you've got, whatever anger at God has, has kindled, that moment where you say, this is not where I want to be begins the point of transformation. Uh, Lest I sound a little bit like a mystic here, which I tend to lean that way anyway, my experience is that when we say those words out loud, when we say this is not where I want to be with my anger, that slowly those opportunities and doors open up for us to transform that anger. Um, One of the great places of transformation that is pretty common in most of the experiences that I've had with my friends is that transformation exists in places of community um, where we come together. Maybe it's with a trusted friend. Maybe it is with a spiritual director, but it is with someone who is trusted where we can voice our anger and voice our pain and voice that fear and, and not in a place where someone is going to say, well, here's how you fix it. But they simply allow with you that holy space to hold that anger, to hold that pain um, I think that's one of the reasons that uh, grief groups are so useful. Uh, It allows people to hold that pain together. The pain and anger of grief is a substantial feeling. Um, It generally takes a community to hold that. And to begin to um, act as if until you are. um, You know, if anger is not what you want to hold on to with God, What would life look like if you weren't angry with God? What would life look look like if you weren't angry with yourself? Um, What are the behaviors that you would engage in? And probably many of you out there are going, well, I don't know what it would look like when I'm not angry at God. What does it look like when you're not angry with your spouse anymore? When you've had a huge fight, what do you start to do? Um, What are the kindnesses you begin to show to each other? What are the kindnesses that you show to yourself when you begin to forgive yourself? Um, Just take steps into those kindnesses, to take steps into um, sanding down, in some ways, the rough edges and letting them be softened. Maybe it is simply in prayers that you just say, Thank you, God, even if you don't mean it. Um, Thank you for this transformation and you don't have to mean it but my guess is that eventually the more you say it the more it will settle in your soul Um, and I also think transformation is an awareness that this takes hard work Uh, if it got over quickly we wouldn't be watching this video but this deep transformation is the transformation that takes substantial work and substantial time Um, One of my friends loves to say that faith is not for the weak-hearted, and it's not. Uh, To be part of the Christian community, to be part of the Christian journey, and to grow in faith is an act of courage every single day. Um, And to offer your anger for transformation is an act of courage every single day. What I do want to say is that there are some people, for whatever reason, whose wounds are so deep and so painful That perhaps anger at God is not something that will be transformed on this side of the kingdom. So here is the wonderful paradox of God. God loves us deeply when we do the work, when we engage in the process of transformation and come out on the other side. And we have released that anger and allowed it to become some part of our soul that is rich and wonderful And even if we never make that journey, if for all of our days we hang on to the pain and the anger at God, we are still a beloved child of God, just as we are.
0: That's the end of Lori's talk for today. If you'd like to learn more about Lori's ideas, check out her books, God, Grace and Horses and Where God Hides Holiness. Thoughts on Grief, Joy, and the Search for Fabulous heels. You can also check out her website at www.revloribrock.com. We also have some other Church Next classes on similar topics if you're interested in this kind of thing. You might try Stop Worrying with Terry Racy, How to Discern God's Will with Ruth Haley Barton, and How to Forgive with Victoria Holman. That's the end of today's podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. There are people who listen to this podcast from all over the world. There's one person who, or maybe there's several people from the Philippines who always tunes in. And I just want to say hi to you and thank you for consistently being here with us. It's great to see you. It's great to know that you're listening. It's great to know that people in Canada and France and all over the U.S. and in the U.K. are listening. It makes me feel amazing that we can bring these ideas from wise people in the church all over the world we'll close with a prayer based on psalm 4 which offers wisdom about managing anger answer me when i call O god of righteousness you gave me room when i was in distress be gracious to me and hear my prayer i know that you hear me when i call to you when we are angry help us to avoid sin We shall ponder it on our beds and be silent. We shall put our trust in the Lord. There are many who say, oh, that we might see some good. Let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me lie down in safety. Amen.